Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Communicating with our teens isn't always easy, especially when the topic of conversation is related to their plans or lack of a plan after high school. In this episode, I'm joined by Melanie Studer and her young adult son, Sam. Melanie is the author of College Bound, The Ultimate List of Conversations to Help Your Teen Through High School. During our conversation, Melanie and Sam share their experience during Sam's high school and college years and offer suggestions to families about keeping the lines of communication open. You won't want to miss Melanie's tips for getting teens to start thinking about their future and why it's important to set clear expectations early on so that everyone is on the same page. There's a whole lot of wisdom from a parent who has been there, done that. So let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Melanie and Sam. Thanks so much for being here on the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having us. Sure. I am delighted that you're both here because I more and more am finding wisdom and insight both from parents, but also from their kids, whether they're teenagers, young adults, or grown adults. Um, And I think you two have a lot to share, especially in our current state of, you know, what parents and and young people are thinking about and figuring out um, during this sort of uncertain time. Um, But before we get into the conversation, why don't we do a quick intro? Melanie, why don't you go first and kind of tell my audience who you are and, and what you got going on? Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm Melanie Prather Studer. I uh, blog at www.parentinghighschoolers.com. I am a wife. I'm a mom. I teach middle school language arts. And I actually wrote a book that was published last summer. I think that's how we sort of decided to connect was over the book, which is called College Bound, The Ultimate List of Conversations to Help Your Teen Through High School which was basically me gathering information and dispensing it for parents of teens that just don't know where to start. There's just so much that you don't know. Yeah, I'm one of those parents. (laughs) My name is uh, Sam Studer. I am a recent graduate from Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. I am originally from Columbia, Missouri. And um, I just graduated with a uh, double major in Spanish translation and international business. Wow, Spanish translation and international business. What's your what's your hope to do with that? Well, um, I've actually been thinking about it a lot lately. I've always been, um, I think, less sort of professionally oriented, it just uh, in terms of the immediate future, and more like locationally. So I would really like to move to a Spanish-speaking country. Uh, I studied abroad in Spain last summer, and I would like to get back there. 
um, or anywhere in Latin America. So right now, that's sort of more my goal than um, pursuing anything specific to what I did. That's part of why I did business because it's so broad. Um, but so uh, I, to move abroad, but also um, hopefully to find something um, that I enjoy as well with that. I've just always wanted to move away. Interesting. Well, hopefully that becomes uh, an easier task in the near future. Yeah. Timing's not great on that, but um, okay. So let's rewind back to, let's go as early as middle school. Cause my goal today, like I said, is to help parents of teens, whether it's middle school, high school, or even those kind of on their way to college, have those conversations that they need to have, figure out and make those decisions that they need to make um, and do all those things. And Melanie, you, uh, you did a great job in the book. And by the way, I'll have a link to the book um, in in my show notes, um, College Bound, The Ultimate List of Conversations to Help Your Teen Through High School. And as a, a parent of early high schoolers, this is incredibly valuable to me right now. So, and I know it's true for others. So let's go back to like, let's go back to the start, right? When parents and and their kids are starting to think about what's beyond high school, maybe it's college, maybe it's not, right? But how do you get those conversations started? And what are what's the best way to approach that? Well, for us, one thing that we started actually younger than even middle school was every time it was a grade, grades came out, which in Columbia is every, I believe, six to eight weeks, they would have uh, what's called an IPR interim progress report, or it was time for a grade card. So we intentionally set individual meetings with each of our boys at that time. It was seemed like a logical thing to do to follow up with great grades or sometimes not so great grades. Um, we had a lot of both, all three. So we started out and we also used to always have family meetings probably once a month or as something would occur that we felt like, oh, they're slacking off. They're not getting their chores done or, you know, we need to plan a vacation. I mean, good and bad. So there's so much out there for parents of teens, but it's all in a million different places. And my husband and I, we just, we started asking our friends that had older teenagers. We started just sort of starting to gather information. And I felt like, and every time I would talk to someone, they were like, you should write a book. Cause I would, it wasn't necessarily that I had the right answer. I just actually had more information than maybe somebody else. Um, or, information that was a little step ahead of where they were. And yet I still felt like I knew nothing. So I sort of started keeping notes and um, finally I just decided I had to write the book. And I mean, I just needed to get it all down. So I tried to figure out the, the most important things that I felt like that we had discussed with each of the boys to that point that would be the most helpful, whether they went to college or were pursuing a, a job or the military or whatever their decision was. I wrote it, I titled it College Bound just for search engine purposes, but it really is information that any kid needs when they leave your house. So right. that's sort of where that all came from. Okay. So Sam, thinking back, way back, <laughs> not that far. <laughs> 
to middle school. Do you remember these early conversations with your parents? Were they, you know, were they helpful? Did you feel like, like my teenagers were like, I have plenty of time. I don't need to talk about this yet. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely, looking back, I definitely think that they were helpful if for no other reason, just because I think it's always good to have that in your mind, even if it's not something that's immediately pressing, like you said, even if it's something that you don't really have to worry about until the future. Um, because what it did was, I guess, um, get us thinking about what we wanted to do with our lives, um, whether that was college or like mom said, the military or what have you. And so it, I guess the most important thing for me was that I just started thinking about what I wanted to pursue professionally and then also where I wanted to go to school and what, what I was going to look for um, in terms of what kind of school that, that I wanted to go to. And back then, did you kind of have an idea of what you thought you wanted to do as far as a career or a major or any of that? Or were you just kind of rolling along and doing the research? Well, um, honestly, well, I still honestly don't really know what I want to do. Um, but I always knew, I, I think I sort of always knew I was going to major in business, something business related, just because it's so broad. And, um, and I also, I added the international aspect because pretty early on, I knew that I wanted to travel. Of course, I love where I'm from. I love Missouri and I love Columbia, but uh, I just have always wanted to go and I guess sort of explore. So that's where that started was I knew sort of that I wanted to do something business related just because I knew that it could be adapted to something else. Um, and that also I thought I wanted to go far away from home for school. Of course that actually didn't end up happening, but, um, but because of that process that we started on, um, that helped me think about those things. But I, I don't think I had any specific idea of like what, you know, I had to have happen for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't think most teens know. I mean, the ones I talk to anyway, they're like, I don't know. And if they do know, they change their mind three or four or five times before they actually get to college and in college. Um, so, so I get it. So Melanie, then you started those conversations early. You started to expose your boys to, you know, lots of different ideas, right? Potential paths. Um, were they reluctant, any of them? Were they like, and still reluctant because you still have a teen, but. Um. Um, so not every conversation was about a roses. I, there were certainly a lot of disagreements many times. And so we really tried to ask questions or give them things to think about. Um, like for instance, Sam wanted to go far away to college and we were like, awesome, but let's think about how that's going to work because we only have X amount saved for college after paying back my husband's college debt. So, or not college, his post-college. So we would talk about, you know, well, there will be travel expenses and um, what are some things that, so, you know, you could get a job and that's one of the chapters. You could apply for scholarships. That's another chapter. Um, you could um, contact the school and ask, you know, could you get a, a, a job on campus? Or There were a lot of things that we felt like, I mean, the, and the kids knew what our budget was for each year approximately, you know, give or take, but 
So we said, this is how much we can spend. So if where you go is more expensive than that, you're going to have to help us make up that difference. And so, for instance, with Sam, of course, Sam is our dreamer and he would think of a million things that he would want to do, which were all in, very possible. He's a smart kid. But to start whittling that down and do a little research, you know, what what does someone who does that particular job that was in his mind that month, how much do they make? You know, maybe find someone that is doing that now. How much did they make when they started? Will it be enough to support you or just, you know, and there were times that we needed to walk away from some of these conversations, you know, that it wasn't either going well or they weren't in the mood to listen or, you know, there's, you know, teenagers are special beings. Um, They sure are. Yeah. So we would either agree to table it until the next conversation or maybe revisit it a little later that day. We tried to, you know, I'm not saying that there weren't ever major disagreements because there were, but we just really wanted it to be an open, you know, come to us. Do you have a question? What do you, what, what are you thinking kinds of things too? Yeah. I mean, better to open the lines of communication early and set those, especially financially set those expectations. Mm -hmm. We've been, we've tried to do that with our boys from the beginning, just about what it costs to live, right. And live on a budget in general, unrelated to, oh, by the way, we're saving for college. Um, So I like that, that you start those early and, and get them involved in the budgeting. And yeah, I mean, not only, and I'm a little bit on a soapbox about this, but not only is it important for kids to work to make money, teens, I should say, but it's important for them to have a job. It, I'm, I feel so strongly about that. And I've actually talked with several um, guests on the podcast about it. It looks really good on college applications. It looks really good on job applications and on your resume. But I think a lot of parents say, well, you know, school is their job. And I don't want them to have to work too hard at it or whatever it might be. Well, I'm just a believer in hard work is a good thing. So off my soapbox. Um, So Sam, did you did you work during high school and during and or during college? Yes, I did. Um, Yes, to both. Um, Well, obviously, after I was like legally allowed to do so. Right. Um, I worked for about four years for my grandpa has some apartments here in town and my brother and I worked for him starting out uh, as painters and, um, and also just sort of handy, handy men, I guess, doing uh, basically all of the work nobody else wanted to do. And then I worked at um, a store in Fulton where I went to school and uh, it was a, they called it like a papery. It's a company called one canoe two and they do, like uh, stationery and planners and like paper products. And so that was mostly just a cashier job, but it was kind of cool because it's a, it's an internationally distributed company and it was based in Fulton, Missouri, which isn't, you know, a huge town or anything like that. So it was kind of cool to to have that experience. And then currently, or at least before the pandemic broke out, um, I was working at a Mexican restaurant in town called El Rancho and I honestly had, I mean, it, again, that was just like, I was just a server and like cashier, but I had so much fun and it was good practice for my Spanish as well. So I use Spanish daily 
on multiple occasions. So I love all those jobs uh, for different reasons, but I mean, handyman work, painting, all that talk about useful for the rest of your life also sure. shows, also shows you're not afraid of hard work. Um, cashiering, customer service, waiting tables. I've done all that myself. You learn how to deal with all different kinds of personalities, difficult people sometimes. It's a service-oriented business, which I think is so incredibly important um, for people. I think everybody should wait tables once in their life because I just think there's so much to be gained. I've loved waiting tables, by the way, um, but years and years and years ago, but I just think there's so much value there. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living. So that's good for you. And to use your Spanish while you're doing it, that's a bonus. Thank you. Yeah, no, and it it what I love about Spanish, because I didn't go into this is kind of a tangent, but it does have something to do with uh just professional life. Um, one of the things that it helped me do was see how relevant that my what I was learning was and useful. And that's what I love about language in general, because it's very um quantifiable in that, you know, if you speak it, you speak it. If you don't, you don't. And so it's not it's not necessarily grades or things like that that dictate whether or not you're actually acquiring it. You, you know, you have to you just you have to practice and then you realize that you do speak it and then you're having a conversation with someone and it's a really incredible feeling. Oh, I love that. Wouldn't it be great if every course was like that, that it was not necessarily graded, but your the de- definition of success was, could you apply it in real life? Absolutely. Wouldn't that be amazing when I rule yeah. the world? <laughs> well, and that's what um, my professor, the one that I've had most through my career said to us, he said, you know, I would rather you didn't get all C's, but I would rather you get all C's and be able to speak it when you get your degree rather than have gotten all A's. And I guess, I don't know how you would manage that, but somehow not be able to speak it because ultimately down the line, it's not, you know, do you have, oh, you have a a Spanish degree, you know, that's really cool. It's somebody's going to be just all of a sudden talk to you in Spanish and you're going to be expected to answer or whatever language you're studying. And so... I don't know. I just always liked that aspect of it because it that definitely did feel like I had a lot of autonomy over my studies as well, which to me is, I like that feeling. Yeah, that's, that's learning, I think, in a nutshell, right? So besides working, it sounds like you were really busy. What about like extracurriculars? And, and Melanie, I love that you talk about in the book, I'd never heard this term before, co-curriculars. Um, for service. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that means first? And then we'll talk to Sam about what he did. Well, so a lot of the things in my book were just basic research. And I came across that term. I think I was reading an article. I thought, oh my gosh, that's a great summary. So extracurricular are all the clubs and the and and band and all the things that you do 
outside of school at school, generally speaking. But co-curricular was a nice phrase for any volunteering or service hours that you are still learning. Therefore, the curricular part of that word and co meaning with it just it summarized it so neatly. And I really feel like all of my boys to different degrees and are also three could not be more different, uh, but have all done a nice job, at least so far. We're still working on that little younger one as far as being involved in different things. And, and, and I have, and that was another thing that I think that's a chapter in here is your resume. It needs, there are certain things that make your resume look good. And one of them is to have extracurriculars. One of them is to have co-curriculars. One of them is to have a job or two um, and some leadership. There were all kinds of things that make your resume look nice. And Sam had a really nice resume out of high school. And then again, coming out of college, he's, got a wonderful resume again. He just did a nice job of rounding out his education. Yeah, that that is so important, the well-roundedness um, and, and to be able to communicate that via a resume or... Sam, do you have a LinkedIn profile? I do. I will say that it's not... Um, it's pretty new, so I'm still kind of playing around with it. And with this internship that um, I'm sure we'll discuss in a bit, but I've kind of not I've kind of ignored that for a little while, but I do have one and I am working on it. Um, and I would say pretty much everybody that I know, especially now that, you know, my people my age are graduated, definitely have them. Yeah. Well, if you need some tips, I happened to do an episode that was published this week on how to um, set up or improve a LinkedIn profile, whether you're a teenager, a college student or a graduate. So I got lots yeah, of tips no, I, there. I would love to. Um, great. So let's talk about the process of we're sort of graduating through time now, literally and figuratively. So getting ready to think about college, were you in junior year when you started looking at colleges? Did you start in sophomore year? What At what point, Sam, did you say, okay, I'm ready. I want to start thinking about this. Um, I think junior year was when, because I had always sort of, because I had always had that desire to like travel and explore I think I had always sort of thought about where I wanted to end up um, but nothing was really concrete in my mind of what I wanted until junior year and mom and I actually took my spring break junior year we took um, a trip and visited I pretty much all of the schools that I wanted to that I would, thought I might want to go to how many was that do you, do you remember I how think many? on that trip there was uh there was three, and then we did another trip that summer, I believe, to um, because most of I all of the schools that I wanted to go to were located in the south, which is just how that happened. And so one of them was all the way out in Virginia, and so we drove it out into Virginia, and then visited a couple on the way back. And then the sec that second trip was to the University of Arkansas and the University of Mississippi, and um, when we went through. Uh, to both of those, to Oxford and uh, Fayetteville, um, for like over a long weekend. So, and when you went there, what were you looking at? Like, so I just had this conversation with somebody recently. When you take a college tour, you know, if it's an organized college tour through somebody in their tour department or whatever you call it, 
they give you kind of the marketing spiel and and all that. But what were you looking for? What, did you think to yourself at that point, I want an urban versus a rural campus, or I want, you know, a, a big football, you know, or a big sports team? Like, what were what were the criteria for you that you were looking for? Well, for me specifically, um, I being from Columbia, Missouri, which is the uh, which is where the University of Missouri is located. I sort of had that I had sort of, I mean, I was brought up in a college town, so I sort of had that really big school, you know, football games in the fall and um, just always something happening during the year. Um, And so that wasn't something that I necessarily was discounting, but a lot of the schools that I looked at and the one that I ended up at Westminster were smaller, um, more liberal arts oriented, but I also, I didn't want to discount those bigger schools, which is why I went and looked at I did tour Mizzou as well as Arkansas and Mississippi. So in terms of size, I j- just kind of wanted to get a variation just because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted. And then also, I mean, like I said, they all ended up being in the South, which wasn't a really conscious decision that just happened that way. Um, but I guess I, I sort of liked it because of, I mean, football, so, you know, college football is so big down there and just, um, I guess aesthetics were sort of important. I liked that a lot of those schools were really well maintained because I think that that's an indicator as well of, you know, sort of pride that a school takes in it. Westminster, where I ended up in Fulton, Missouri, has a tiny campus, but it's, you know, beautifully well kept. And um, and then, of course, academics as well. Um, like I said, I wanted to go into business, so it wasn't, I didn't feel like I needed to go to any specific school to pursue a specific program. But I mean, that's sort of, you know, I looked at like opportunities or study abroad opportunities and things like that as well. Um, So I would say mostly though, the purpose of those trips were to just get a pretty varied, varied exposure to different types of schools and then see what I really wanted out of it. That was another thing that I encourage. And there, I think there's a chapter about visiting schools is to think about all the different, ideas. And then once you've seen one or, you know, you've seen a tiny school, ugh, didn't like that. I want something bigger or go to a big school and they're like, oh, I don't, I feel like I would be lost in this crowd. And to, but, but to be open to trying, in fact, you know, the smaller schools, he was all about visiting and he liked the idea of Ole Miss just because of all the traditions there, I think. But I said, well, let's visit Arkansas on the way back. Not that he was opposed, but I feel like if there's a school and you're going to be passing by it and you're on a trip with your family or, or you're looking at another school, stop by at least and look because you don't know. When we took this trip down to Fulton to Westminster, it was because I made that was one that I was like, we need to go look. I had a couple friends go there. They loved it. I had never been there. And he ended up was like, this is everything I want and I don't have to go so far away to get it. Yeah, I was going to ask that question if you had any influence over any of the schools he visited and or where he ended up. So, Sam, would you not have gone to Westminster if your mom had not suggested it? Um, well, it was less about I guess the suggestion than her just, you know, making me go visit, I guess. Um <laughs> No, that's what I mean. Yeah, would you yeah, have visited yeah, yeah. it if she had not suggested it? Probably not just because I was so dead set on 
getting away. Um, but like she said, we it was sort of a really spur of the moment. I had actually I had been to a summer camp in Fulton when I was younger, and so I had I knew that it was there, um, but had never really considered it just because it was so close. Um, and we went, and yeah, it did. It was it had a lot of that sort of history, and you know, it was a be- it's a beautiful campus. Um, and then it, it, it's smaller, which I thought that's sort of what I wanted to do from the get go. Um, and then, you know, academically, it just, it just sort of fit. And the financial package that I got was a huge, I mean, I have just graduated and I don't have any college debt, which I know is kind of rare. And that was part of what, I guess I sort of had the foresight of knowing that that was going to be a pretty big deal. And that, you know, maybe if I wanted to go to grad school or something like that, that we would have, that the money that we saved sending me somewhere close that was going to be a lot cheaper uh, that we could put towards something further down the road, maybe a little bit more specific. Yeah, that's a huge deal. I mean, I I think, you know, your mom talked about it in the book and it's everywhere in the news, the amount of debt the number of people that have college debt and the total amount of college debt. And I think the average I heard um, undergrads are coming out with at least $35,000 in debt. It's just uh, painful to me, but um, good for you to have, that's kind of mature thinking on your part to say, I want to make sure I don't come out with a lot of debt and, um, and be able to plan for later if in fact you choose to go on to, for further schooling. So good for you. Cause I think a lot of people don't think about that up front. And I'm hearing stories a lot lately from kids who not only have a lot of debt, but are coming out of college, unable to find jobs or are underemployed, right? So they're not making enough to pay for their debt. So good for you. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And, um, and like I said, like at the time, I was pretty sure I was going to want to go into something that required grad school. Of course, now that's probably not the case. But uh, so I figured, you know, when I was going to go do something more specific to my career, that that's what we could put that money towards. And now that I have this internship and everything, you know, who knows, maybe we'll be able to use it for something further down the road. Um, that's more specific to what I want out of life rather than college. Yeah. Let's talk about that internship because you, you talked a bit about it before we started recording the interview. And I really want you to share that because I for one, wasn't aware of it. And as we all know, internships are few and far between right now because a lot of them have been canceled due to COVID. So can you talk a little bit about one, what it is, how you found it, and and the organization that's behind it? So the organization is called Sage Corps, and they're based out of Chicago. And essentially what they do is they have established a network of companies that they're linked to. And what they'll do is they will, if you are taken on as an intern, you you go through the typical application process and interview process. And then when you're taken on, they do a lot of um, upskilling work of sort of hard and soft business skills. And then also just for me, especially or specifically uh, with it being remote, sort of, you know, pros and cons of working remotely, ways to sort of implement it into your life and make it as successful as like an in-person job would be and then they arrange for you to have interviews with companies all over the world depending on what you want to do professionally if there's a specific place you want to end up for me with Spanish um, I told them you know Spain is a place that I would really enjoy ending up but um, that Latin America was something I was interested in as well 
So I am actually just getting to that point where I've been revising my resume. I've been doing a lot of the modules that they give you. And so I will start those interviews fairly soon. So essentially what it, what they, their whole goal is to give you sort of a study abroad experience, but where you're also getting work experience and working abroad and being a part of this, you know, pretty vast network of people all over the world. And um, I have a cousin who did a program before, uh, like a year ago, and she went to Dublin and, you know, did the whole process. And she now works not for the same company she interned for there, but for another company that she sort of established ties with during that. And um, so she was in, she's now home in Columbia as well, but she was in Buffalo, New York. And it's funny that we were talking about it because um, it's called peanut butter. The company is called peanut butter. And one of the things that they do is it, like uh, debt and loan forgiveness and helping newly graduated students get through that process and get a f- firm foothold on paying back those debts. So it's, you know, kind of interesting that that's, it, you know, she went from, went through that whole process, but I'm really excited about it. That sounds great. Are they only, do you know, are they only internships for graduates or does that do, you know, if they have opportunities for. Yeah, they have it. I think it's pretty much from like your freshman year of college to your senior summer um, or like into the year following your senior year. Uh, Like I said, it's it's sort of work experience study abroad. So it is um, usually specific to what students are studying or have studied, but like I said, she, you know, my cousin got uh, an uh, an actual job with a company that she met through the process. So there's a lot of networking opportunities as well. And they really try to, they have like a pay it forward model where if you were in the program, you act as mentors for the next round of people that come through. And so it keeps, I guess, graduates of the program involved as well as provides uh, incoming participants with people who have already, you know, mentors who have already partaken. I love that. What a great business model. I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes, and I'm actually going to do some research on them um, because this is really interesting. I was going to say, and I mean, I'm still learning about it too, and um, the companies that it's connected to, it's very startup oriented. So just there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's a lot of really exciting work. So just so you know, Betsy, it's like a matchmaker. So we did pay a fee for him to be connected, which what, in my opinion, I felt like it was reasonable. We had a little bit of money left in his college fund, and that's what we used it for. Because where was he going to find a job? I mean, he had not been hired already. So we felt like that connection was worth the cost. And I, I we could talk about that later, but... So his cousin had to go to Dublin, did the whole internship there for, I can't remember how many weeks, but that was, that cost more because they were, they arranged her housing. So it's almost like a little bit of college experience wrapped around the package of an internship. Would would that be a good description, Sam? Yeah. And they, and I think obviously right now they're just doing remote internships. So what the program I'm doing is basically the same thing she did just without the travel aspect. Um, But I do think that they have specifically remote programs when people actually can travel so that I think they have multiple different uh, packages, I guess, so that, you know, you can, it doesn't money, they don't want money to be too big of an impact on it. And then there are 
um, scholarships and things that they can give. And then also, depending on what company you're with, you can also get a stipend. Uh, and I believe that the statistic they gave out, don't quote me because I don't know if it's correct, but I think it was somewhere like 93% of the people who have participated in it within the three months following whatever program they do, they have a, they have a job. So I wow. think those odds are pretty good in terms of the money, you know, in terms of uh, pay, like payback. Of, yeah. Of what you Reach, return on investment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Richard, that's what I was trying to think of. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm going to ask you both one more question. Um, so Melanie, I'll start with you. Any final thoughts or tips or strategies that you want to share with parents who are starting the process with their kids as far as college, you know, their kids are in high school. What are those big ahas or any top tips for them to think about as they start the planning? Well, even if you have a senior, it is not too late to start talking to them. Um, so I would say maybe generate a list of issues or uh, topics that you want to discuss that you feel like you need to cover before they get to college and divide that up into 12 you know, for the next 12 months and put obviously the things you need to talk about first at the top of that list and then work through it. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of times if you let the kids know why you want to have these conversations instead of just having them, that they're, that doesn't mean they're going to still love having, you know, you making them have these conversations. But I feel like if they know that it's part of a process and that you, there's just things that, and Sam being a prime example, as I've always said, you know, you are probably way smarter than me, but I am wiser. I am older. There are things that your dad and I know that might be helpful in the future. And so I think just wherever you are, if you've got younger kids, even better because you've got more time. But just have some open ended I have a blog post specifically on my blog about this. If you look up college bound in my blog, it'll, it, it, it gives some strategies and some templates for these conversations that I forgot to put in the book. So we will, uh, we can definitely include a link to that in the show notes too. So okay. people can find it easy. Yeah. So just start. Okay, great. Great advice. Okay, Sam, if you could go back to high school, not that you'd want to, but if you could, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Um, okay, so I would say on a you know on sort of the more practical side, uh, college is uh, especially in this country where it's not you know we don't have the same model as a lot of other countries. College is does operate as a business and it is sort of a financial investment beyond schooling. And so I would say you know so be aware of that and be aware that there are you know opportunities beyond college as well, even if you don't go to the one that, you know, you maybe think that you wanted to. And also don't discredit schools that are, that you, you know, might not have thought about in the first place. Just essentially, I guess, be open to all the possibilities. And, um, you know, as what we've really been talking about this whole time, uh, just prepare yourself as much as you can. And then from, from a more just general perspective, you know, as we talked about, um, 
work, uh, participate in extracurriculars, co-curriculars, and just sort of, um, you know, be open to, you know, whatever opportunities come to you. Because, you know, for instance, I did, I participated in the arts and in sports and um, have been in similar clubs at school. And it's just, it's, like you said, it's a good way to keep you and to make you well-rounded. And I think that's what's the most important thing of all, because the more well-rounded you are, the easier it is to adjust to the professional and quote-unquote real world after you graduate. All great advice. Thank you. Thank you both for being here. Um, Like I said, I'm going to share links in the show notes. I can also share if there's any social media or anywhere you want people to follow you. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but I really, I really appreciate both of you taking time today to talk to me. It's been really great. Cool. Thank you for having us. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the high school hamster wheel podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would share it with a friend or two, the more that listen, download and share the better others will be able to find it. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player. So new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they're available. If you have any topics or guests that you'd like me to bring onto the show, I welcome your suggestions. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page or on my website. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found in the show notes. The High School Hamster Wheel Podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. 